0: Good morning, amen. How many is glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Can you stand up and let's give him a hand, amen. He is worthy of all praise this morning. There is no other name but the name of Jesus, amen. Look at your neighbor, Sam, so thankful for Jesus and his wonderful name, amen. Aren't you thankful for all that that name does for us? It heals us, saves us. We are saved only through the name of Jesus. Not through Buddha, Confucius, the new age. There's nothing that's going to save us and give us life eternal but the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm so thankful for his name this morning. And I'm thankful that we can not only be thankful for his name, but we can be thankful for who he has made us and who he calls us his children this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. Lord, we love you. We thank you, God. Today we are...
1: Why you are you giving the Lord a hand, take a few minutes and just turn around and tell your neighbor that you love him. Hallelujah. Can you say amen this morning? Amen. Hallelujah. Don't we serve a doesn't it doesn't it feel good amen. to say that I'm a child of God? Amen. Doesn't it really feel good today in time that we're living in right now amen, to say that I'm a child of God, knowing that He is our He is our protector, He is our shield, He's our butler, and He has us right in the palm of His hands. Amen. Hallelujah. It feels, good to be in, it feels good to be in church this morning. I want to talk about, just for a few minutes this morning, uh, obstacles to our faith. Obstacles to our faith. And I want to talk about uh, unbelief uh, in the life of the sinner and in the life of the believer. You know, we pray for our loved ones. We Uh, pray for a a new job and maybe it doesn't happen. We pray for a a close friend and they may let us down. We have um, family situations that we pray about and at this time they haven't worked out. We might pray for a promotion and we don't get that promotion. There is a lot of things in our life that we pray about that might have not have come to pass yet. And so with that, with that hanging in the balance of our life, we get stuck in our Christian faith. We get this spiritual, we get stuck in this spiritual mud hole or this spiritual snowbank that we get stuck in because the prayers that we have prayed some of them haven't come to pass yet For things that we're praying about now The more we pray about them It seems like uh, the less that God may be doing, a, doing something about it Which we know that he is working for our good But to us it seems like he's not doing much about it So we get stuck in our spiritual walk uh, with God Well the book of Hebrews talks about unbelief. Some believe that Apollos wrote the book of Hebrews. Uh, some believe that Paul wrote it. And there's even some scholars that believe that bartimus wrote uh, the book of Hebrews. But I want to grab Hebrews chapter 3, a great book of the Bible. And I want us to go to chapter, uh, verse 3, chapter, uh, excuse me, chapter 3, verse 12 through 19 And it says this, Beware, brethren, lest there be any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another, while it's called day, today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. How many of you know sin brings deceit in our life? For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, hear God's voice, do not harden your hearts as in rebellion. For who having heard rebelled indeed was not all who came out of Egypt. Remember the children of Israel? Uh, Coming out of Egypt when they were in slavery, led by Moses, now with whom was he angry 40 years. Saying God was angry with them. Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpse fell in the wilderness, and to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest? But to those who did not obey, so we see that they could not enter because of unbelief. Believe. The writer of Hebrews makes this strong statement that none of you should have a evil, unbelieving heart. Unbelief. For the non-Christian, we're going to talk about just for a few minutes, and for the Christian, What's it look like for unbelief for the non-Christian? What's it look like for belief for the Christian? Number one, I'm going to start out with the non-Christian. For the non-Christian, the issue of unbelief is a critical issue because it first starts out with eternity. Where are you going to spend eternity for the non christian the truth about Christianity it's a fact say with me it's a fact that Jesus walked on earth and he lived a perfect life it's a fact that he died on the cross and he rose again it's a fact that he is sat at the right hand of the father the Jews that the Jews excuse me at that time question christianity in john chapter 2 and verse 18 through 19 they said this the jews then responded to him what sign everybody today wants to know what sign is this christianity that you say is the truth the jews responded what sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all of this jesus Jesus, Jesus answered him, destroy this temple and I'll rise up again in three days. You crucify me, you bury me, you put me in the ground. In three days, I'm coming back to life again. That's your proof. That's your proof that he is the son of the living God. No one ever, want no other religion that he was crucified for our sins. He was buried, and on the third day, he rose again. That is your proof of Christianity, and second of all, the proof of that Christianity, he's healing today. He's still healing today. He's still saving today. He's still casting out demons today. He's still working miracles in our life today because our Christianity, what we believe, is the real deal. That was we. The Christianity, what we believe, church, today, in the time that we're living in from centuries back, is the real deal. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 15, he put it this away. After the resurrection of Jesus Christ, they were questioned if Jesus was truly the Son of the living God, like some question today. And after the resurrection, Jesus appears at one time in front of 12. Paul said, then he appears among 500. Can you imagine Jesus being put in the grave and he resurrects, and then he appears all of a sudden. What more proof do you want? He all appears before 500 at one time. And then Paul went on to say, then he appeared to Thomas, doubting Thomas, and then he appeared to Paul. The belief is in the heart, church, not the head. It's, in, it's a heart issue. Do we really believe that Jesus Christ is the son of the living God? It is a heart issue, not an intellectual issue. Psalms chapter 14 verse 1 puts it this way. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. The sinner has said in his heart, there is no God. The fool is saying there is he really saying there is not a God? Well, some atheists, atheists say that there's truly not a God. But that also translates that I don't need God to be God of my life. I, I can handle life myself. Uh, I don't need God to take the steering wheel of my life because I can handle life myself. I've got a career, and I know where I'm going. I've got a family, and I know what I want to happen. I've got this going on in my life, and this going on in my life, and I truly don't really need God in my life. And I'm going to walk down my own road with my own decisions. The Bible says that person is a what? A fool. John chapter 3 verse 19 through 20 puts it this way. It is a heart issue, not an intellectual issue, a head issue. It's a heart issue. This is the judgment that the light has come into the world. And men love darkness rather than light. Do we not see that in the United States of America right now? That men love darkness rather than light for their deeds are evil. For everyone who does evil hates light and does not come to light for the fear that his deeds will be exposed. It's an, not an intellectual issue. It is a heart issue. Second Thessalonians 2.12 uh, 2, puts it this way. That they all might be, listen church, this is a tough statement, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth but they have Pleasure in unrighteousness. They they have pleasure in sinning. They have pleasure in doing what is wrong. They have, they, they have pleasure in doing evil. But Second Thessalonians chapter 2, 12 puts it this way. If you have pleasure in In sinning, if you have pleasure in doing what is wrong, it says that they all might be damned. People that have not accepted Jesus Christ in their heart is saying it from the heart, not the head. And listen to the end results of not giving your heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ. We we, we preach, oh, Jesus is love. Jesus is love. That's why he sent his son Jesus Christ to Mount Calvary. But just because he's love, he doesn't overlook your sins. The end results of unbelief. What did I tell you that? My pastor at a young age would preach every Sunday until he got it down in our hearts, not our heads, that the end result of unbelief in the Lord Jesus Christ is. This is why I respect that man. Whether I agreed with everything he said, I respected this because he stood up and he told me, Kevin, the end results of you not accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior, is eternal hell. But we don't want to hear that anymore. God is love. God is this, and God is that. And He is. And He is. But sin still sends you, Sister Herndon, to eternal hell. The Bible says we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Jesus Christ is here to forgive us of our sins because he shed his blood on Mount Calvary. When we get to we, we get to heaven, it God is not going to say, it was my will instead of your will, or it was no, because you get the choice to make that. It's kind of crazy because you're not going to be able to point back to the cross and say, you sent me to hell because over 2,000 years ago, he died on that cross. He laid in a grave. Three days he rose to keep you out of hell. See, it's not... You're not going to be able to say it's God's fault because it's a... Help me. It's a heart issue. It's not an intellectual issue. Revelations chapter 21, before we go to our next point, puts it this way for the non-Christian, the issue of unbelief. Revelations chapter one, 21 says it this way. Now look what the writer John writes in this same passage of Scripture about unbelievers. He says, but cowards, and here's this word, unbelievers, the corrupt, the murderer, the immoral, those who practice witchcraft, idol worshipers, and all liars, their eternal home is in the fiery lake of burning hell. This is the second death. He put unbelievers right there with the corrupt, the murderers, and more the the liars, the ones that practice witchcraft, the idol worshipers. He put them all all of that together. He linked unbelievers right in that same sentence is your second death eternal hell. For the Christian, the issue of unbelief is a costly issue. We've already accepted Jesus Christ as our savior. We're born again. We're walking with God. We love God. We're reading our Bible. We're praying. Our eternal home is heaven. But unbelief in the Christian man or woman's life is still very costly. God's promises are experienced through faith. We come into this Christian life by faith, and we live out this Christian life by faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 puts it this way. And without faith, without believing, it's impossible to please God. Let's say that together. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. But the enemy works in unbelief like like this. If our healing is delayed, if we pray for someone that has not come to Christ yet, once again, if we haven't got that job promotion, if our bills are stacking up, a close friend betrays us, if a spouse walks out on us, the enemy will use all of those circumstances in the past and our current circumstances. To walk us down the road of unbelief. Hebrews chapter 4 2 puts it this way. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. It says the The Word of God had no profit. The Word of God profited nothing because it wasn't mixed with believing God would do what He said He would do. And that is faith. Just believing God is going to do what He said He was going to do. How many believe that God is going to do what He said He's going to do? No matter my circumstances, no matter, Pastor John, what it looks like right now, no matter what happened in my past, if God said he is going to do it, he has to do it, right? Because God does not lie. There is a rabbi saying that in my study some weeks ago, I wrote this down. Uh, Rabbis would put this over top of the door of the synagogues that they would write over the top of the doors it read like this prayer without intention is a body without a soul prayer without intention is a body without a soul faith is taking god at his word it's one thing to doubt thomas doubted john the baptist doubted the man that brought the demon possessed son to jesus He doubted. It's one thing to doubt. It's a whole different story to walk in unbelief. I read this story in the Old Testament, and as you just kind of just jot down notes as you you think about as God brought the children of Israel. Now look what the, God did for the children of Israel. I'm going to parallel this to our life and we're going we're to close. Okay, I'm going to parallel this to our life of unbelief. Uh, because unbelief in a Christian's life, it's a serious thing. It's a critical thing. We don't get, we don't get the promises of God fulfilled in our life because of unbelief. And so I wrote a few things down charting in the Old Testament about Israel. God has delivered them from Pharaoh out of slavery. Huge miracle number one. God has brought them through the Red Sea. Miracle number two. God has brought them from Mount Sinai and give them the Ten Commandments huge miracle number three. Now they're standing at the border of the Jordan River getting ready to go over into the promised land. So they've got miracle number one, being freed from slavery. Miracle number two, God is bringing them through the Red Sea. Miracle number three, they're at Mount Sinai. God gives them the Ten Commandments. And now and there's a lot of things in between there. But God marches them to the Jordan River. One miracle after another miracle after another miracle. And they get on the brink of the Jordan River, getting ready to go into the promises of uh, uh, Pastor Amanda, the, the promises of God, the the, uh, the goodness of God, the prosperity of God, everything that they desired when they were living in Egypt, in their heart, they now have at the brink of the Jordan River. Their promises are just across. They send 12 spies in, and 10 come back with a negative report and completely ravishes the camp with all of this negative report. And they allow the negative report that the 10 spies have to delete what God had done of bringing them Out of Egypt, out of slavery, through the Jordan River, miracle number two, to Mount Sinai to get the Ten Commandments. And now they're at the Jordan River, and they allow ten spies to bring back a negative report. And they believe them, and they seen God, and marched with God, and talked with God, and seen God do great miracle things. And they get at the Jordan River, and it stops there because of their what? unbelief Now let me just parallel this as we close with my life because I felt God was dealing with me about the unbelief in my life and when God dealt with me and convicted me I thought wow I actually said to myself, you have got to be kidding, Kevin. You're no different than the children of Israel. I thought about what God had done in my life in the last four years. God, I found out I had that tumor early, and that was a good thing. You brought me through cancer treatments. You brought me through a, a bad heart attack. And now I feel great. Somebody asked my brother the other day, how's your brother doing? Daryl said he's crazy. He's a nut. He's like the Ever-Ready bunny. But I'm standing here today because of the miracle power of Almighty God. And that is the only answer I have for you. The sad part about it I got out of my seat as working on this sermon and walked to this altar repenting to God because I have allowed unbelief to get down in my heart because it first got in my head and then it went down to my heart. And when I allowed it to get in my heart, I started believing God was not going to do it for Me. He's going to do it for the next person. He's going to do it for the other man, the other woman, the other preacher, but he's not going to do it for me. And this this is what God says about unbelief in Numbers chapter 14 and verse 11. Then the Lord, he said to Moses, he spoke to Moses, how long will these people reject me? He said they're rejecting God. Well, you've got you to study that terminology, reject God. It wasn't they were saying that there was no God or they were literally just rejecting who God really was and what he had done. They had just forgotten. And the enemy had stole the miracles that God had done in their life. And God said, Moses, they have rejected me. And he says, how long will they not believe me with all the signs which I have performed among them? How long, Kevin, will you have unbelief in your heart that i will do it for you because i've i've done i've took a tumor out of your body you went through cancer treatments you went through a horrible heart attack and you're feeling great now let me ask you the same question i asked them how long will you have unbelief in your heart that i won't do it for you this is what he says God's anger arose against Moses in Israel. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 12 puts it like this Today, if you will hear his voice, do not, do not, say it with me, do not harden your hearts. All of these circumstances, sister, that's going on in your life right now, you're still believing, you're still asking God. We're all no different. We've prayed and prayed and that child didn't come home. We, we, we've asked to be healed and we've not been healed yet and all of this stuff in our life. But how many will raise your hands that God has done great things in your life already? Pastor John's got an incredible testimony. But I'm sure if you would sit down and talk to him, he's no different than this pastor. All the circumstances now after God has done all of that in his life, would you agree with me, pastor, at times we walk in unbelief. It's because of our past and our current circumstances that we're standing in unbelief. He said, don't let your heart speak. Acts chapter 3 tells us what to do about it. Repent ye therefore. I had to come to the altar and I had to repent of unbelief. And turn again that your sins may be blotted out and there may come seasons of refreshing from the presence of God. Come on guys. There There will become seasons of refreshing. If I repent of my unbelief in my heart, God... I'm sorry. How, how many once again, as, as we stand, I went a little bit longer this morning, but as, as we stand, I'm going to get you out of here. That, 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 how many of you agree once again that God has done great miracles in your life? How many of you would be, you would go as far as say, Pastor, I would be uh, uh, dead right now. When you was young, you was out there acting crazy like you didn't have no good sense. He says, if you'll repent of what we're talking about this morning, either your sins or unbelief, which unbelief is a sin too. He said, if if you'll repent, he says, what I'm going to do, I'm going to refresh you. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Sister Betty, amen. God is going to re- refresh us this morning because of our unbelief if we repent. Let's just all stick our hands up in the air. We're going to do it all together. We're going to do it all together. Father, this morning, I uh, I admit, God, that I have uh, walked with some unbelief in my heart. And Father, this is beautiful this morning with the ones that are here God, young ones and old ones, God, we are just raise our hands up, and we repent, God, this morning of our unbelief. God, we repent, and we're asking you, Lord, as we spend time in the Word of God this week in prayer, that you, Lord, would bring refreshing, and where, when we believe, you are going to march us into the promised land. Amen. Those that are watching by a video this morning, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ is your Savior, now is the greatest opportunity to give your life to Christ. Say this prayer with me as we close, church. Heavenly Father, I admit that I'm a sinner. I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I confess all of my sins this morning and ask you to come and live in my heart cleanse me in your blood, I'm going to live for you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. If you prayed that prayer, you're just as saved as this pastor. Serve the Lord, find a good church in Jesus' name. Let's give the Lord a big hand this morning, church.